It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell. Hi there, Brendan. It's good to see you from um, a fair distance. I'm in Toulon and you are in Pretoria. <laughs> too long, too long. Yeah, no, you're in a much, much nicer place at the moment than me. Uh, and uh, yeah, good. Uh, glad you're there safely, Liam. And uh, I can just imagine you've had uh, quite the logistical nightmare getting all the way to to Toulon and to the Springbok place. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that's out of the way. I'm here now, um, and we might as well uh, crack on and get into the show because we have to talk about the Springbok team announcement for their opening game. Uh, in today's show also, um, there's a little catch-up with Johan van Graan, a former Springbok assistant coach, who um, can tell us one or two things uh, about the players that will be featuring in this World Cup. Uh, and then, of course, we'll look at the opening game and some of the games on the weekend uh, on the opening weekend of Rugby World Cup. But let's start with the Springbok team announcement. Uh, a couple of um, not mild surprises, but, um, you know, there were one or two interesting selections and, and some selections that were uh, sort of forced or brought about because of injury. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all expected both John Klein and, and Kanan Moody to be somewhere in that match day 2023. The fact that they're not um, tells me they've both picked up niggles and, and like the Springbok uh, management has said for the last six years odd is if they can't train on a Monday they're probably not going to be um, um, considered so I take it that's what more or less came out of that those injury selections yeah in fact uh, Jacques was uh, Jacques Nienber was pushed on that uh, subject and he said uh, you Scott a team like Scotland demand that you play your players that are only 100% fit so in the case of Moody uh, he said he's 95% there um, but I think the big thing is uh, you know couldn't take part in training, uh, you know, if you compare to some of the other guys. So that basically pre- precluded him uh, from being selected. Mm. Uh, if I look at that team, uh, the, the things that just sort of jumped out to me was, uh, and I'll just go through them quickly and we can chat about them, uh, is one Damien Willems uh, ahead of Vili, which I thought was an interesting, obviously on his Twickenham performance was a big part of that. Uh, then, I mean, I, the centre pairing I expected, although Andre Estes and must have rather pushed hard. I think they're going more for the combination there. Uh, his 50th obviously got him the nod uh, to be there as well. Uh, the pack, Jasper, I thought was quite interesting, uh, yeah, that he was ahead of Dwayne. Um, yeah, I can only think they want Dwayne to come on with the, the bomb squad. And then Marco von Staden ahead of Quacha on the bench, which, uh, which I thought was an interesting one as well. Did, they, did anything come out from the press conference that, or any, any reasoning? The, uh, the Damon Willems, uh, Vanilla Roo dynamic wasn't really uh, discussed. Um, the, you know, there were a few questions about Dwayne being on the bench and, and yes, Previsa starting. Um, Jacques kind of explained it away by saying, look, if it was the other way around, uh, there would have not have been any eyebrows raised. I did think it's interesting that, uh, in both cases there, uh, in key positions, the selectors went with the young buck. Valimsa at fullback over mm. Vali Laru and at eighth man they went with uh, Jasper Visa over Dwayne Vermeerden which then also suggests that there is a bit of um, succession planning uh, in, in, in all of this um, obviously they also looked at the requirements needed for beating Scotland but I think in terms of overall picture that's probably what they what would have motivated uh, some of their selections as well 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to actually come up with too many talking points for this this squad at the moment. They're pretty settled. Um, there's not real surprises, and it's not like we're going into massive shocks, um, you know, like we've had in the past with Springbok team. So, yeah, I've, I've pretty much looked at the squad tonight when I saw it, and then all, mm, okay, fair enough. Yeah, there wasn't much to say about it, and I, I think the big thing is. The box now, it's the old saying is they, they know how they want to play. They know what they're going to do. The opposition know what they're going to do as well. It's come and stop us. And, I, and it's a fairly simple recipe. I think the one thing that's interesting to me is the two scrum cap wingers, uh, both probably the shortest wingers in the game. And, um, yeah, they, I think a guy like Duan van der Merwe, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure he's going to try and use his power over them and, uh, and, 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 I think the Scotland will t- target the aerial game, but that's nothing new for, against the Springboks anyway. Yeah, I mean, in, in the case of Duan, I mean, they would have had a pretty decent look at him as well uh, when he played for the British and Irish Lions against them, and then obviously they would have really studied him. So, you know, as much as he d- brings that threat, the power game, the sort of speed over the first 10 or so metres, um, you know, the, in the case of Colby, Chesna Colby and Kurtley Arons, I mean, they've got their virtues as well, and they were both very elusive runners mm-hmm. and um, kind of wriggle their way out of um, tight corners. So, yeah, that dynamic is certainly going to be an interesting one, um, a very interesting one to watch on the weekend. Uh, but yeah, I, I think also at, at Flauf, where we have Marnie Lubbock, uh, up against, uh, uh, a guy like, a, an old fox like Finn Russell, that as well will be an interesting one. But uh, more on that a bit later in the show. Yeah. Now, I think, I think one other thing I sort of picked up from that, I wonder if they're not, um, wanting Jasper to run at Finn. Um, and use his sort of power. That not that uh, Dwayne is a little bit of a different number eight. He's more rangy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Jasper is very much. I'll, I'll kick the door down. Um, and and so I thought that's the one thing. And I went and watched uh, sort of highlight clips of the last last time we played Scotland. And um, and and Peter Steph the toy hounded Finn Russell in that game. Uh, like you won't believe, and I can only think that's the bit that the the exact same thing that they're going to want to do, and uh, you know, just cut off all his oxygen because if he gets going, it could be a real threat. Mm. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if you allow him a bit of a platform, uh, the others feed off him. So yeah, if you shut him down, I think that's almost yeah. half the job done. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of Finn Russell, we might as well handle it right now. Um, I had a chat this morning with Johan van Kran, uh, who, uh, the reason why I chatted to him, because he has now signed Finn Russell for Bath, uh, where he's coaching at the moment, and has obviously coached against him in several teams. Uh, and I just asked him, yeah, you'll, you'll hear the conversation now of, of how, ex- why exactly he is such a special player and the danger that he holds for the Springboks. You know, firstly, is is one of the the best things in in the world of rugby. Uh, he, he's got he's got such an all round game. Um, I think the first thing is is exceptionally good at his at his basics. Um, his pass uh, left to right, right to left is is incredible. You know, I, I think that is close to the best in the world. Um, You've just got to look at his highlights package um, to look at, at you know, the, the accuracy of his pass, the length of his pass and the speed of his pass. The fact that he plays so close to the gain line, um, you know, he stays on, on top of the defence and he creates space for, for other players. And I think one of his biggest threats is uh, if players moves off him, he's got a wide variety of skills to to cut the line. 
Uh, two things that he doesn't get so much credit for is his kicking game in his own half. Is uh, incredibly solid to get you know his own team out of out of you know his half, and then his defense um, is is tough. He makes his tackles. Um, you know, teams try and intimidate him. A lot of teams have gone after him, but he just always bounces back. And I think his his personality, Brendan, uh, he plays the game with a smile, um, and he's got big moments um, around him. So you know, I think for any team that's got to prepare against him, you, you've got to prepare well. I think one of the you know most underrated things about the Springbok defence is um, the the time and space they take away from opposition. Specifically, if you look, if, if South Africa concede a turnover, you know, outside centre wing is incredibly high, meaning they take away space. So they might miss a few tackles, but they push the attack to the inside. And then another thing that's been really unspoken about South Africa is is their jackling. Uh, and if you look right across their park is is jacklers. So yeah, they might miss a few, but they force the attack into positions that they don't want to be in. You know, if you want to go around them, you're gonna you're gonna risk the interception. And you know, even if if they miss a few and they push them to the inside, you've got magnificent poachers on the inside. And um, you know, I think it's something New Zealand felt. One good example of it is the short kick of New Zealand um, kicked. They won it, and then Dwayne's poach. Uh, you know, you you might cut South Africa, but as you rightly said, their scramble and then their breakdown is mm. phenomenal. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To The Last Drop podcast. Okay, so the World Cup uh, opening match is almost upon us. Uh, this has been a much-anticipated uh, opening game, uh, a really spicy one, uh, a team that um, uh, bossed this year's rugby championship in the south against the team that uh, won the most recent Six Nations crown. Uh, on the one hand, a team that's won three World Cups in the case of New Zealand, and the other team that made made it to three finals. What what do you expect from this one, Brendan? Oh, it's it's such a difficult one because I was asked by a couple of people you know, over the last couple of days who's going to win that one, and my initial reaction would be that that um, I reckon the All Blacks are going to bounce back from the Bok Bok defeat, and there's going to be some sort of backlash. But saying that, both teams are so difficult to read at the moment. Um, you know, France are, must go into this game as, as favourites. They have a hometown. They've, um, I was reading a stat today that, uh, that Antoine Dupont has captained them 12 times on French soil, never lost a game. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many things in their favour. But with that comes also the pressure of expectations. So, and we've seen French sides in the past, you know, sort of, Disintegrate. So, so um, yeah, on that front, I mean, they, they must be favourites, and I think they they probably should win. Except that I think yeah, this All Black team has taken a lot of flack the last couple of weeks, and and there's been a lot of self doubt. And I mean, even I saw Olivia Munn uh, went and called them the worst All Black team ever at the World Cup. Um, yeah, that, that's quite a stinging rebuke, and 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 obviously would be played up heavily in the New Zealand media. So um, I, th- I think there's probably going to be some sort of yeah. Some sort of passion and, and backlash from them. Whether it's enough is a good question. Um, I'm not. Yeah, if, if it isn't, um, they've, both sides have got the luxury that they can they can go through, you know, via the second yeah. coming second in in the pool. But still, this is a huge huge opening game, huge for bragging rights. 
Um, I see both Dupont and uh, Richie Mwanga playing their 50th games uh, for the, for their sides as well. So yeah, there's so much on this game. I, it's too close to call for me, but um, I don't know. I, something tells me the All Blacks are going to be a lot better this time around. I think there's no doubt that they will be better than they were in London. Um, they were basically strangled out of that game. I mean, it was the Springbok uh, pack was unrelenting. Uh, I'm not sure France, uh, although they bring a big power game as well, but they've also lost a couple of significant players. I don't think they bring as big a power game in this particular contest. So there, it will be a little bit of room to maneuver for the All Blacks. And but if you know if France play with the control that they they have shown for the last two years. Uh, especially when they've played at home, uh, then they should win this one. Um, you know, I mean, the All Blacks will be better, but whether the improvements that they that they will make will be enough to shut down a pretty decent French team. Um, you could almost make the argument, you spoke earlier about Olivia Manier saying it's the worst All Blacks team at a World Cup. You could almost make the case that this is the best French one at a Rugby World Cup. Exactly. Now, the um, the thing to me is as well is is both these teams are are exceptional off turnover ball, so uh, that's going to be the interesting thing and in how the pressure tells on them and what they do when they get turnover ball. I think the Springboks are becoming that sort of team as well. In addition to their power game, um, is that if you do drop a ball and they do you do get a turnover, yeah. it's almost certainly points. So I think that's going to be the fascinating thing about Friday night, and of course. There's so much pressure. The world's eyes, it's the opening game. You know, so much can happen. We could see cards. We could see all sorts of things. Uh, either way, we're going to be entertained one way or another. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a, a fairly spectacular game. I don't think there's going to be any doubt about, um, you know, uh, teams not laying it out there. I, I think it's going to be a, a match that will fluctuate wildly in terms of the the play, where the ball goes. Um there might be a little bit of kicking up front, but I think it eventually both, both teams will yield uh, to the attacking instincts. And I think it's going to be um, a rip-roaring contest. Yeah, I think I must admit we're all looking forward to that one. I must admit. So, um, but yeah, I suppose, I suppose from, from the, the, the beauty to, to, to the, um, I don't know what, what, what's the word I can use, uh, to, to the other end of the scale where England take on Argentina, which I think is going to be a bit of a brutal game. Uh, I don't see it yeah. being the, uh, the, the, the exhibition game that, that we might get on Friday night. Uh, both sides, yeah. look, Argentina are, are great at the, taking you to the gutters, uh, as Rossi loves to say. Um, but, England aren't in a good spot either. And I think if they're going to win, they're, they're going to try and win ugly if they have to. So I don't think it's going to be the prettiest game out. Mm, yeah. And, and to be fair, I think Argentina with Michael Checker uh, as their mentor will probably have a fairly similar attitude. He wouldn't care much about, um, you know, method uh, or artistic impression in this one. I think it's just getting the job done. And I, I think he actually has the forces to to pull this one off. Um, and to be fair to Argentina, they've they've got a decent record against uh, Northern Hemisphere opposition uh, of late. So you know, um, if if you really wanted me to stick my neck out in this one, I'll I'll probably go Argentina. Yeah, I think the one thing that I, I think is going to make it interesting though is is the fact that there's no Owen Farrell, and I, I I don't mean for the obvious reasons that people probably think of me, mm. but it's just that George Ford 
tends to get the back line going a lot easier. He's a, he's a much more uh, subtle type fly half in, in, in his touches, uh, whereas Owen Farrell's a lot more in your face. Uh, and I think that could might help the England back line. I see there's also some talk of Marcus Smith maybe going to fullback um, or coming off the bench at fullback, which will give them a, another interesting option. But uh, I think the big thing there is going to be discipline in the first first to the 60, because um, I think both sides have got this... Yeah, ability to give away cards, and um, especially when Thomas Lavanini is on, on the field, and uh, we're going uh, <laughs> to. It could be a very interesting game. That I don't think I think it's going to be an arm wrestle. It's not going to be a pretty game. Yeah, Lavanini and, and um, yeah, he, he's going to. If you if you think of Lavanini and Maro Itoji, I mean, and, you know, I, I think there's going to be a bit of um, pulling, pushing, shoving. Um, little off the ball, um, sort of moments that, that try and sort of take focus away. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Um, but, but I don't think, yeah, I agree with you. It won't be one, um, uh, one for the ages. Um, but this, this is certainly yeah. one going to be, um, very much fought in the trenches. Uh, I mean, we obviously don't have time to go through all the games. There's a host of games this weekend, and, and a lot of that we're going to obviously will determine where teams are starting to head. And we'll, next week we'll be able to talk a bit more about direction. But uh, Pool D is a very interesting one for me because both those games um, are, are very interesting from the viewpoint from the underdog. You have Wales playing Fiji, and you have Australia playing Georgia. And um, they're both very interesting games because I think both Georgia and Fiji would give themselves more than a fair chance and more than normal in a in a tournament like this. And uh, yeah, Australia is vulnerable; they've got a young team, um, and Wales I think would be having nightmares about facing any Pacific Island team in a World Cup given their history. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure that either team will win, but I think uh, it's going to be very interesting games as well to watch. Mate, I'll give um, a fair whack of money uh, to see Eddie Jones' face uh, to hear a journalist say that, you know, they're writing his team off against Georgia. Um, so. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I, I think <laughs> I think they, they will be tested in some areas, but I mean, I think the Wallabies really should should win that one. And of course, give Eddie his first win. I mean, it's um, yeah. the, 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 the old monkey or... Wallaby or whatever you want to call it, it'll be off the back. Well, I think the same, same sort of angst in Wales that I've picked up by reading, reading the stuff that's mm. coming out there is, uh, is they really not sure where they are because especially after Fiji beat England, um, I think they're a bit worried there and Georgia beat them last year. So, you know, it might be Warren Gatman, but it's not the same Warren ball that, uh, you know, that we might see them try and win ugly as well. They've definitely got the players, but I think same as England, there's just not a lot of belief in that side at the moment. Mm. It is interesting because if you look at the Wales team list, you you kind of expect more. So there is a something is just a miss there, and yeah, it's difficult to sort of put your finger on it because they there's no doubt that they are underperforming. I mean that that much is is clear. Yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting week. I thought, I thought one little thing we touch off the field is that uh, World Rugby went uh, huge fanfare. Sent me the press release yesterday four times that they've engaged this company to protect their match officials from social media abuse. They apparently have got this AI system that they've now contracted, which will filter out messages 
that come through today and we'll talk and, and obviously using keywords and things like that in several different languages, try and pinpoint which is a, a abusive messages and then report them to the respective unions where in, in the countries where they're from to try and stop this behavior sort of like those fans coming to stadiums. It's a rather ambitious thing given that millions and millions of people are going to be using social media and, um, I know it sounds like they want to do something, but I just think maybe it's a bit more lip service than anything else. No one condones that sort of behavior, but it's just, <laughs> it sounds a bit ridiculous, to be very honest. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how they're going to police it. But um, it, it also sort of goes back to um, world rugby maybe wanting to be seen doing the right thing. Um, I mean, we see it also in in now some of the law changes uh, especially around uh, head injuries, um, where it's a very important topic, obviously, and you need to curb, um, you know, head injuries or injuries to to the spine and so on, and neck injuries. Um, but if you if you listen to them carefully, it often sounds as if they they kind of doing it because you know that is what people expect them to do. Because sometimes also within the system, you know, it seems to break down. The message doesn't really filter down all the way. Sometimes the officials get it wrong. Sometimes the coaches get it wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you that it's um, yeah, it's, it sounds more like lip service. I was going to say, Liam, just, we 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 always talk wine on this podcast, and um, you have been now in France for I suppose almost twenty four hours now. Um, so have you had a, a glass of wine yet? Uh, the short answer is no, because it has been, uh, I've been here for now just over 24 hours and it, it, it's, it's boiling hot here. Um, so I've had some beer, uh, to quench the thirst more than anything else. But even now, I mean, it's, uh, it's now well into the evening and it's still balmy and it's, it's, it's hot outside. It's humid. Um, so if you're going to have wine, you probably need to think um, carefully about what you're going to go for. So it will probably have to be uh, probably a white a white wine, um, uh, maybe a Chenin Blanc, or, or even, a, you know, if you're bold enough, a Chardonnay. Well, I was going to say, and then you can do that thing that will probably horror, give horror faces to the French, which South Africans do quite a lot, and put ice in your wine. Yeah. And and actually what I neglected to say there, because this area is, is known for its rosés. Um, I'm not a big rosé drinker, but the rosés here are exceptional. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm spending a few weeks here, so I'm sure my opportunity will come. Well, I think your homework, Liam, is by next week you should, uh, source a bottle of rosé for us and, and so that you can tell us about it. I shall do that, but also next week, towards the end of next week, uh, I'll be in Bordeaux where the dynamic will change dramatically because then very much uh, in red wine territory. Um, so, yeah, we'll... Um Looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think the 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 it's going to change dramatically for in a lot of ways for a lot of teams as well, uh, and <laughs> it's going to be quite interesting as well. But yeah, I, I, Liam, I know you you haven't had much sleep since you've been there. and You've been running around in that. Uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend. We're hoping everybody who's listening to this is going to enjoy the games and and what, wherever you watch it, have a have a responsible glass of something in your hand. Uh, and yeah, it's been great chatting to you. We're going to leave you with some uh, some some quotes from uh, the the big Viking himself, Arkeus Snowman, 
who um, told told them and them today in the press conference some very interesting things about the music he listens to on the way to the game and a couple more. Have a listen, and we'll see you guys next week after, and we'll have lots to talk about. Uh, there's going to be so much next week to talk about. We could easily do a two-hour podcast, but yeah, enjoy the games, and we'll we'll chat again next week. So usually I like to listen to uh, something that's a bit on the rougher side, so always like my Metallica and, and things like that, but more recently, I've gotten really gotten into uh, Mongolian throat singing, so... <laughs> If you go and listen to the Who band, it's a, it's a bunch of Mongolian guys, badass guys. They similar haircuts, you know, and they do this throat singing. It's uh, traditional for them. So you can give us an example. No, I, I'm trying. I'm learning. So maybe one of these days. The coach going to the game. I mean, is that your pre-match? That's what I listen to. It's not. It's not in everyone's taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.